the big thing that's come to my attention during this entire episode, and make no mistake, this is an episode that's going to blow by, is that there's many people who simply don't have certain basic life skills that all through the history of humanity we would have had. And in the mainstream media, most of what I see being shown is fear-based, and most of what I see is a population that shrinks, isn't connected to their own death, doesn't know how to think about it, and probably is deeply embedded in separation consciousness, so has a deep, deep fear of their own obliteration, and probably doesn't know how to harness those emotions to rise up to a higher level, or to even think about what it would mean to take control over their own well-being. So that's what today's video is gonna be about. Any video I do, by the way, I don't like just to be a video of the moment. I want this to be something that even in a thousand years, people could look at. So what I'm gonna share with you here is some ancient wisdom and wisdom that's really, really changed my life in the most profound way. So first thing I'm gonna talk about is acceptance of your own death. Now when I say that, I wonder if what you're thinking is, does Owen think I'm gonna die? Oh my God! And no, I actually don't. I actually predict that nobody who you know is gonna die. I don't think you're gonna die. And unless you have older relatives that are ill or have what's called comorbidities, I don't think there's gonna be any problem. Um, that being said though, to be fair with quarantine, people you know, kind of sitting in their house going, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, and pumping down fast food and becoming vitamin D deficient. Uh, that might not be the best idea for people passing away. So, I mean, if you have a friend who's doing that to themselves, they could probably pass away from that, whether there was a coronavirus outbreak or not. So that's also why this is important, what we're gonna be talking about today. Now, at a basic core level, I want you to imagine that you were living in prehistoric times and many of your relatives would have died and maybe quite violently, either by other tribes coming in and fighting with you or by animals coming or by weird little insects coming and killing your relatives. So death was very much a part of life at that point. And one of the most important things was a complete and utter acceptance of death. There's a great movie, one of my favorite of all times, called Apocalypto. And in that movie, it's directed by Mel Gibson, who's a pretty off-the-wall guy, but he directed an incredible movie, there's one of the most powerful scenes that really changed my life forever. And what happens that a father, he's out with his son, he's out with his tribe, and this other tribe, which has been terrorized, walks by them in the middle of the jungle, and basically they just fill up that tribe, the father's tribe, with a bunch of fear. So on their way back, they're heading back to the village, the father pulls his son aside, his grown adult son, and I'm paraphrasing this, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, son, what did you see in the people? What did you see inside of them? And the son said, what? And he said, fear, deep, rotting fear. And when you allow that fear into yourself, it gets in there, it's like a disease, like a cancer, and you can't get it out. He says, I didn't raise you to see you live with fear in your heart. So let go of that fear before we go back to the village and we will consult the elders and the gods tomorrow. What they really portrayed well there was the father's acceptance of his own death. And there's even a point later in the movie where his father, his, the father actually has his throat slit and his final words to his son, he looks at his son completely peacefully, he says, son, don't be afraid. And that's something that in ancient tribes and ancient wisdom for all of human history would have been so, so important is conquering your fear of death and not having fear in your heart. Now, I understand that you're a human being and look, we all have our limit to where we can become overwhelmed with fear. I understand that. I'm the first person to have respect for that. I'm not asking you to be perfect. 
But it does concern me that overall, we don't really have a system, at least well built into our media, that would talk about that. We do talk about it in our churches, which is amazing. And I think we actually do talk about that quite well in our churches and other new age type folks of spirituality, all sorts of things like that. But it's not something that you're going to see being talked about, say, on CNN. In fact, it's probably going to be very much the opposite of that. Now, I want you to look at the underlying narrative here that you're seeing when you're watching television. The basic idea of it is that you're this isolated little island and everything in your life is about avoiding death and getting money and getting all this validation and being cool and never ever coming under pain or death. And you have to understand that's not who you are. That's a hypnosis. And our culture hypnotizes you into that. I want to put this in perspective for you here. Your life's very important. You should fight and rail against your death because God has put you here to do great things on this earth and to be of incredible service. So if you're here and God has put you here to be of service, then you should absolutely take your life very seriously because you've been given a gift. If I give you a gift, I would hope that if I give you the most beautiful gift that I could ever give you, I hope that you don't just let it get trampled all over the ground and not treat it with respect. I hope that you would treat that gift with respect. And the most important gift that you could ever treat with respect is your life. But understand that this gift that you've been given called life, you've been put here to grow into your potential and to be of service. But if at any point your experience in your physical body ends, there's nothing to fear. Yes, take it seriously, but there's nothing to fear. We are all one. Your body will come and it will go. Understand that the, the universe, how many years has it been around? Is it billions? Is it trillions? And even if you live to be 190 years old, that time is so incredibly short that it's insignificant. Your significance in the scale of the, in the, scale of the universe is like if you look at the whole galaxy and you see some little thing flicker, it is actually significantly less that even a flicker, your existence is so short. So far more important is your spiritual connection to this universe and never being afraid. Don't let fear into your heart. In my mind, I'm excited for my death. I will fight against my death. Of course I will, because I respect the gift that God has given me. I'm here to be of service and I'm here for you. I'm here to give everything I have and to know that when I die, I did my very best. And for that reason, I take it very seriously, my own success, your success, everyone's success. But liberation is the ultimate feeling of ecstasy and the ultimate liberation will come at the end. So you have to understand that you have nothing to fear. Take your life seriously, but take your life seriously more in a sense that like, let's say I've given you a beautiful gift. Yes, take care of the gift, but don't, I didn't give, but I didn't give you that gift. Let's say I gave you a beautiful, beautiful gift. Let's say I gave you this beautiful watch. Enjoy the watch, wear it, sport it, show it to people. But don't be so terrified of losing that watch that you're in fear all the time. That's not why I gave you that gift. God gave you the gift of life, not to be sitting there petty and selfish, terrified for your own existence. We're all meant to merge back into the whole. And whether that happens today or in some future time, that is up to the gods, not up to you. You have control to an extent, so you should exercise that control to the maximum extent. If that means watching the mainstream media and they're talking about different quarantine regulations or different rules or warning you about different things, I think that could be very helpful. On a more practical level, if you're somebody in the gig economy, you've lost your gig, make sure that you've actually made plans, whether that's crashing on a friend's couch or whether that's finding some other way to be productive. Of course, handle those things, absolutely. I'm not discouraging that. I don't wanna make a context so large that we forget about the importance of handling day-to-day -day life. I understand that. 
But for the most part, regardless of the fact that I understand there's very frustrating or even flat out tragic day-to-day concerns, understand flat out that you were not put here to be a vessel for fear. You are not a cancerous cell. And if you've been infected with fear, you have become a vessel of fear and a cancer to your fellow human beings. There was a wise rabbi once said, if I am I because you are you, and you are you because I am I, then I am not I and you are not you. In other words, we are not separate. We define each other. We're all backs and fronts to each other. I'm on government's assistance and I run out of money and I had to buy Pampers for Jelani. And I had $11.42 in the bank. And I remember wrapping my son in a towel for two days. I remember the second day, like you said, I had my, my hand on Jelani's stomach and I said, don't worry, baby. Mommy will never be this broke or broken again. And that day, what shifted for me was I was willing, and I don't know if this is going to sound crazy, I was willing to completely die to any form of me that I had been so that I can birth the woman that I was becoming. The reason why a lot of people won't become who they want is because they're too attached to who they've been. And you hear it all the time when people say, I've always been this way. Okay, well, if that's working for you, keep doing that. I knew it wasn't working for me any longer. I had hit my version of rock bottom. So I was willing to let go of everything and everybody. See, another reason why people won't get there is because the doorway is for you to fit through. You're trying to carry everybody else through because you're trying to be rescue 911. And you got to rescue you first. I am much more valuable to my family and to my community because I was willing to let them go. Go through the door myself, teach myself, learn myself, condition myself, and then come back and get them. I'm much more valuable to them now. But I had to go through a window time of 10 years of judgment. You leaving us, hanging out with white people all the time. You going to these crazy countries. We, we don't know what you, I, I had to be willing to, to allow my conviction to make me inconvenienced. See, we want to grow, but we want to stay liked by everybody. I was willing to be my own rescue at the risk of your approval. But most of us aren't like that. Facebook is example, we want to be liked. Well, I woke up and I like myself today, so your like is extra. My, my job is to like me first. I was willing to say every day, Lisa, you like you? Lisa, are you proud of you? Lisa, are you playing full out? Every day before I checked in with anybody else. I was willing to inconvenience my entire life. My entire life. I was willing to disrupt my entire life to buy my future, to buy my possibility, to give my dream a chance. See, we're not supposed to tuck our dreams in on the, on the pillow when we get up in the morning. We're not supposed to leave them at home 
then go and fulfill somebody else's dream. We're not supposed to do that. That's not what we're wired to do. That's not who we are. Your human spirit doesn't care about the economy. The human spirit doesn't care that my son's father went to prison. My, the human spirit doesn't care what's happened to your family. The human spirit doesn't care about the past. You may have been molested or your family may have been broke or, or you may have been betrayed or you may have a divorce. Your human spirit doesn't care about any of that. Your human spirit simply says, what's our command for tomorrow? What do you want to create? It's not keeping score. Your brain is keeping score because your brain is designed to keep you safe. Your soul, your intuition, your human spirit is designed to make you soar. When you get to the edge, your brain will always tell you to step back. It's always going to tell you to step back because you can fall. Always. It's going to tell you to step back because before you fail, the last time you did this, you saw someone else fail. You could hurt. You could be off work. It's going to tell you it's designed to keep you safe. So you have to be willing to play between your brain and your soul. And on some days, you got to just listen to your soul. And you got to say, I'm going to leap. I'm going to get to the edge. Most people are at the edge and you're standing at the edge and you're watching everyone else fly. That's pit my ride, watch my crib, all this stuff. You know, watching people's lives on Facebook. You're at the edge watching someone else live, wondering what it's going to be like when you jump without ever jumping. And I'm just here to tell you, jump. Because only three things can happen. You're either going to jump and fly or you're going to jump and fall on something soft. Are you gonna fall down hard? Either way, you're gonna get back up. You already know you got what it takes to get back up. You're not, your greatest fear is not that you will fall. Your greatest fear is that you will live a full life and never fly. That you never leaped. You're not afraid of dying. You're afraid of dying before the world sees who you really are. Before they really get your fingerprint. Before they really feel your breath. Before they really get your contribution. Before they really feel you. That's what you don't want to happen. You don't want to leave this place without us knowing you were here. All I'm doing is giving my, my dream a chance. And I'm not extraordinary. You don't get off the hook. You don't get to be let off the hook. I'm an ordinary woman who chooses every day to make one more extraordinary decision. Everything that I need to get back up, I have in me. If I don't have what I need, I can go get it. Once I figured that out, the world was my like playground. Like just, the question was just, where do I go get it? Where do I, oh, I don't know about that. Where do I go get it? Right. And um, and I don't come from a learning background where I was a great student. I wasn't, you know, my highest grade in school was a C plus. And when I got a C plus, I did the happy dance. <laughs> and um, and so I didn't have a background where studying was natural for me. But when I realized that if I go study something and I learn it, I own it, it's mine now, right. man, it was crazy because all through school I struggled. I, the last time I took an English class, my English teacher told me I was the weakest writer she ever met in her entire life. Lovely. Yeah, lovely. And the same year I took a speech class and my speech teacher, he said, quote unquote, Miss Nichols, I recommend you never speak in public, that you get a desk job. And so I, That's mean. yeah, it just, it's just, you know, it was, it was demotivated people, um, sad people, hurt people hurt, sad people make other people sad. Hurt. Bottom line, don't take it personal, hurt people hurt. Mm -hmm. See, most people want the convenience of transformation without the inconvenience of required, yes, required yeah. for transformation. So my grandmother says, and I love to repeat this, your conviction 
what you're passionate about, your conviction, and your convenience don't live on the same block. <laughs> they ain't even in the same zip code. So if you want to have a conviction for something, you have to sign up. Sign up to be inconvenienced. We're trying to find convictions and passion and breakthrough on the inside of our box. Well, when you realize that the box doesn't even exist, like someone made up, oh, you're playing outside the box. So we all bought into, there's a box. Well, I don't live in, I don't even own a box. I don't even, I don't even want to get in your box. <laughs> like, mm -mm, you better come out here because I ain't getting in there. And so when you start thinking like that, Tom, all of a sudden, everything is possible. So I, you know, pe I disrupt people when I say, you want to make me extraordinary because it lets you off the hook. What if the God that we call God, the divine, whatever your faith is, what if there's no partial? It's not going to give me a hookup and not give you one. Not going to give me an opportunity and not give you one. I'm just going to go after it. If I die, I'm going to die on a treadmill, like Wilson said. I'm going to be on the treadmill running. You know, I'm, not, I'm just not going to stop because I believe all things are available to us. I'm just willing to go after them. Are you willing? And then that is so disruptive because then you got to make a decision. Because it's easier to live inside the parameters of, well, as a black woman, well, as born and raised in South Central, well, I'm academically, I'm dyslexic. I'm dyslexic. I wrote seven books. I'm dyslexic. So just knowing, like, I'm not perfect. What I do really well is I manage my imperfection well. And so we're all waiting for perfect. It's an illusion that will never come to you. And it's an excuse to never show up and play. Your story is not meant to be your fortress. Your story is meant to be your fuel. Any story. Like the fact, the beauty of me being one of the top 1% earners in America is that I was on government's assistance. Right. Like that's the beauty. Like, come on, it wouldn't be a big deal if my family was rich or whatever. <laughs> like, it, I'm supposed to do something. The beauty is that when you show the little engine that could story, like I'm not gonna run fast, but I ain't gonna stop running. I might slow down and have to breathe and catch my breath, but I'm not stopping. Because I believe all things are available to all of us. And good people should do well. Because when good people do well, good people just do more good in the world. I'm that same girl who ran track for Dorsey High School, who struggled to get through high school, who got kicked out of college because I couldn't afford to stay. That was on government's. I'm that same girl. I'm that same girl. I don't forget her. I'm also that same woman who runs a multi-million dollar business. I'm also the same woman who has seven bestsellers. I own both of those. I own all of it. I don't shrink to my greatness and I don't live in my saga and my sorrow. If you can own your brilliance while owning your, your imperfections, if you can own your giant while owning your smallness, if you can live in duality, constant duality, the freedom will be earth-shaking if you can live in that. See, either you don't want to be as great as you really are and you're trying to dim your light so that others won't feel insecure about themselves in your presence. And so you keep playing at 79 watts when you know you're supposed to shine at 159 watts. And you keep checking the temperature of the room to see what the room can handle versus just giving the room you and letting them, if, the, if your light's too bright, then let them put on some shades. Can you give yourself permission to live in the duality of your imperfections and your smallness and what you're learning and what you still have to learn and your greatness and your brilliance and your light? Can you allow them to coexist and then serve them up to the world? To love you, to see you, to inhale you, to judge you, to leave you, to love you. You're just, some of us are just as afraid of being loved as we are to be left. If you go where you've never gone, 
do what you've never done and say what you've never said, you'll become the woman and the man you've always known yourself to be.